You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. He's speaking spiritually about man's innermost need, man's thirst for God. Because deep down inside of every single man, every single woman, every single child is an unquenchable thirst and need for God. Every one of us has it within us. And within each of us, the Spirit is crying out. The Spirit is yearning for a relationship with our Creator. We are incomplete without this relationship. So our bodies cry out. Our bodies yearn to have this void filled. In John 7:37, Jesus says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. In today's message, Pastor Dave will explain that we're incomplete without Jesus because we're made to be with Him. For this reason, our bodies crave the living water that Jesus offers. When was the last time you drank from Him? Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 7 as he begins his message, Living Waters. Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So as we now come back to John chapter 7, the entire chapter takes place during the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, we read when we studied verse 2, John writes, Now the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. The Feast of Tabernacles is held usually during the fall of the year. And of the three major feasts that were celebrated in Jerusalem, this one probably was the happiest and most joyful. If you're not familiar with the Feast of Tabernacles, it's sometimes called Sukkoth or booths. What it means is that during the Feast of Tabernacles for the entire week, the Jewish family would move out of their houses into small man-made booths that they would set up in their neighborhood, in their yards, and they would live there out under the stars. This was an act of remembering the 40 years in the wilderness that their forefathers spent wandering. During the night, as they all gathered together by a small fire, the parents would tell great stories of the pillar of fire that glowed at night, of the cloud that moved before the children of Israel, telling them when to move. They talked about the bread that fell from heaven, the manna, the angel food that fell from heaven that they partook. And they especially remembered the water that sprang from the rock. 
the beautiful illustration of God's provision to the children. Now, in commemoration of this miraculous water flowing from this rock, each day during the feast for the first seven days, the priests would march down to the pool of Siloam. They would carry great big golden water jugs on their shoulders. They would go down to the pool of Siloam and they would fill the water jars with water and then they would, in procession, march back to the temple. When they got to the temple, they were greeted by thousands upon thousands of people wanting to worship God. And as they came in, these people began to sing the Hallel Psalms. The Hallel Psalms are the Psalms that begin with praise the Lord and they end with praise the Lord. They're the Hallelujah Psalms. You can find them in Psalms 146 to 150. They started to sing these things. As the people worshiped God, as the people sang these beautiful psalms, the priest would come to the temple steps and they would empty the water jugs. They would empty the water jugs onto the pavement and the water would run down. It signified the water gushing from the rocks those days and reminded the children of Israel of God's divine provision during those 40 years. The ceremony was quite moving and very symbolic. But on the last day of the feast, something special would happen. On the last day of the feast, the priest with their golden jugs would proceed down to the pool of Siloam, but they didn't dip into the water. Instead, they would turn around and they would come back with empty jugs. When they got to the temple steps, they would ceremonially empty their jugs, but nothing would come out because there was nothing in them. This was extremely symbolic because what this meant is God had provided and God had done all that he had promised to do by bringing the nation into a land flowing with milk and honey. But the Feast of Tabernacles not only commemorated the past, but the Feast of Tabernacles looked forward to the future. Because as the priests were symbolically pouring out their jugs, the high priest would stand up and he would read from Isaiah 44, specifically verses 1, 2, 3. Yet hear me now, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jerusalem, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants. Again, quite moving as the people watched and the people marveled. The picture is extremely clear. Siloam means sent. Siloam means sent. Just as the Messiah, who was sent by God, would pour out his Holy Spirit onto those who were thirsty. Now, why did I tell you all that? It was at the very moment that the priests came back with the empty jugs on their 
shoulders, the last day of the feast, the great day of the feast, when they symbolically poured out what was not in the jugs, that Jesus stood up. Jesus stands up in front of all these thousands of people and he makes this beautiful invitation, gives a promise, and then the, the apostle explains it to us. And that's what we see today in these beautiful scriptures. So imagine, if you will, everybody's gathered. They're all waiting for the priest to come back. They know what's going to happen. They've celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles before. They know exactly what to expect. And here they come, marching in procession. And all the people are going, hallelujah, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they're singing these beautiful psalms. And they get up there, and as Jesus stands up, he stands up in the amongst of the crowd and listen to this on verse 37. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Wow. The apostle John notes that Jesus stood up and he cried out. This is also significant. When a rabbi taught the students, the rabbi would sit and the students would stand. The only time the rabbi would stand up is when he wanted to make an extremely important point or when he wanted to herald good news. When he wanted to herald to the people good news. Jesus stands and cries out, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink of me. Jesus gives this invitation to all who are listening. If anyone thirsts. You know what's interesting about this invitation? The need for quenching one's thirst is only secondary to the need to breathe in a human body. The need to quench one's thirst is only secondary to the need for oxygen, the need to breathe in the human body. So the question might ask, who isn't thirsty? Who isn't thirsty? They're standing there in a dry place. They're standing there in a desert place, in a very arid place. Water was sometimes poured out, which usually when you see water, you usually, you get thirsty. But Jesus isn't speaking about physical thirst, is he? He's speaking spiritually about man's innermost need, man's thirst for God. Because deep down inside of every single man, every single woman, every single child is an unquenchable thirst and need for God. Every one of us has it within us. And within each of us, the spirit is crying out. The spirit is yearning for a relationship with our creator. We are incomplete without this relationship. So our bodies cry out. Our bodies yearn to have this void filled, this vacuum, if you will. In fact, when the apostle Paul was writing to the Roman church, in that glorious chapter 8, in verse 20, he tells of this universal thirst and how it affects everybody. He tells us that this thirst was built into us by our creator, that God created this emptiness within us in order that we would thirst for him, in order that we would look to him and get a meaningful relationship with him. Now, the writer of Hebrews, which many believe is the apostle Paul, wrote that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us by satisfying that deep thirst that is within us, and he gives us eternal life. There is only one way that this thirst can be quenched. There's only one way that this thirst can be satisfied. And if we do not fill it with God, 
we'll try to fill it with all sorts of other things, won't we? We'll try to fill it with all sorts of other things, tangible and intangible, material and immaterial, good and bad. We try to fill that void with all sorts of things, like trying to fill a vacuum that can't be filled. Only God himself can fill that void. God is the only one that can fill that void. Subsequently, our thirst continues and even grows more unquenchable. The only thing that will satisfy our thirst is a relationship with the one true living God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that will satisfy that thirst. So Jesus is giving this invitation. Jesus is standing on the temple steps in front of all these thousands of people during this most crucial time of the feast. And he says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. The invitation is open to all, anyone. It's open to all, for all thirst. And Jesus knows that we all have this thirst. Therefore, he's basically saying, whomsoever will. Whomsoever will. He cries out this great invitation. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me to drink. If you look at this, in essence, what is this? This is the gospel in its most beautiful form. This is the gospel message in its most beautiful form. Jesus is the answer to man's thirst. Jesus is the answer to man's thirst. He and only he can satisfy that need for God. He and only he can bring fulfillment and completion. He is the only one. In essence, he's saying, in your deepest part of your being, you need to come to God, come to me. This is what Jesus is telling the people. It is an amazing offer. What he offered to anyone who would drink was something that was lasting satisfaction. Remember what he told the woman at the well? If you drink of the water I have, you'll never thirst again. You'll never thirst again. Again, he was speaking spiritually. If you drink of the spiritual water, you will never thirst for God again. Your thirst will be quenched, and God is the one who quenches your thirst. It's common for people to try to satisfy their God-created things through many, many things. Many of us have tried everything except Jesus. But praise God when we try Jesus. People are thirsty. We want, we long, we search, we reach out. It's only Jesus that satisfies the deepest levels of man's spirit. Drinking and thirst are common pictures of God's supply in man's spiritual need. But what is drinking? It's an action, isn't it? Drinking is an action. Drinking is an action. It's a part of receiving, like faith. We receive it by faith. It's like doing something. It's not merit earning. It's an action here. Jesus invites us to action. Come to me and drink. Come to me and partake. This is an action, folks. Picture the long-awaited Messiah for the nation Israel has come to the people of Israel. He's standing in their midst, and he's inviting them to come to a relationship with God the Father through him. I love what Guzik says. i got to have my Guzik quote in here. You know that. The invitation was broad because it said, if anyone, intelligent, race, class, nationality, or political party cannot limit it. The invitation was narrow because it said, if anyone thirst, one must see their need. Thirst is not anything in itself. It is a lack of something. It is emptiness, a need, a crying need. There's a crying need in all of us. Jesus stood on the steps that day and he yelled, 
You know what I found interesting? No one tried to stop him. No one went to the ushers and said, he can't scream like that. Where's the temple guard? Aren't you going to do something about that? Why didn't they do something like that? Who's this carpenter who has the audacity to interrupt this ceremony with these kinds of words? Who is this guy? How come somebody doesn't stop him? Why didn't this happen? Because I believe in their heart something rang true. I believe when they heard Jesus' words, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When they heard Jesus' words, something rang true in their heart. Maybe there was something in his eyes. Maybe there was an intent that he was saying. Or maybe there was an inflection in his voice. I don't know what it was. Remember, remember, at this point in Jesus' life, he's only six months away from the cross. He's only six months away from the cross. There is an urgency here. The next time he comes back to Jerusalem, will be for the Passover and will be his time to go to the cross. So he's only six months away from the cross. Time is short. But Jesus wasn't finished. He makes this beautiful invitation. Anyone thirsty? Come to me and drink. This beautiful, beautiful invitation. But then he gives a promise. And he says, a promise that was in the scriptures. He gives a promise that was in the scriptures. Look at verse 38. Here's his promise. He who believes in me, as the scripture is said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Jesus is saying, if you believe in me, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. He prefaces the promise. He puts a caveat in front of the promise. In order to get this living water, in order to quench your thirst, you must believe in him. There's the caveat. There's what it comes down to. One must believe in a relationship with Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. One must believe that he is the one that God had sent. He is the Messiah. Jesus says, if you come to that belief, if you quench your thirst for God, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen in you. And he gives this promise. Out of their hearts would flow rivers of living water. Note that not only would their thirst for God would be quenched, but out of their innermost beings, out of their innermost beings would flow this beautiful, beautiful river of living waters. So you have this beautiful, beautiful invitation. And you have this promise which is attached to the invitation. Do this and this will happen. What was he talking about? What was he talking about? Well, John writing in hindsight now, John's writing this well after the resurrection, John commentaries on his own gospel. And he says in 39, but this he, Jesus, spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Interesting. Jesus declared, as the scriptures said. Old Testament scriptures Jesus says, as the scripture says, out of them will flow rivers of living waters. Is he referring to the Isaiah 44 verse? Possibly. But you know, there's a lot of scriptures in the Old Testament that talk about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. An awful lot of them, such as the prophecies of Zechariah. On the day a fountain would be opened in the house of David and living waters would go out into Jerusalem. And of course, one cannot surpass the beautiful prophecy of the prophet Joel. In prophet Joel in 2.28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This beautiful prophecy. 
If you take Jesus' words and you go back to the original language, it even becomes more dynamic. It even becomes more dynamic. Because if you look at the words that were spoken here, you can find a more dynamic and a more intense meaning to what is being said here in our English. The word used in the Greek for flow is really the word gush. It's really the word gush. And the word translated for rivers is really the word torrents. Torrents. So the translation should read, out of his innermost being, there will be a gush of torrents of living waters. What's that look like? Well, what came to my mind, number one, it's not a trickle, folks. It came to my mind, hooking up the old garden hose to the old spickeroonie, you know, and turning it on and watering our lawn, stuff like that, washing our car, things like that. Have you ever been doing that and somebody sneaks up behind you and they put a kink in the hose and nothing comes out? And of course, you do the three stooges thing by looking at it. And when you look at it, they let it go. get hit with water, right? Well, when they kink the hose, nothing comes out. And when they just open up a little bit, a little trickle comes out, doesn't it? But when they open it up all the way, this hose flushes out. That's gushing water. That's torrents of water coming out of that hose. So in John's commentary, we see Jesus means that in the innermost part of our lives, those who believe in him, these waters would flow out. Now, I explain to you what the scripture says, 37, 38, and 39. John explains to us that Jesus spoke these things on the most important day of the feast. We explained all the symbolism. We explained everything that happened. So why is this important to us? Why is this important to us? It is extremely important. It is extremely important to us. Why is it so critical for you and I to realize that the Spirit wants to flow forth from you in a mighty gushing torrent and not merely a trickle? Why is this important? It is indeed a beautiful blessing and a joy to know that the Spirit blesses us with a deep consciousness of God. The Lord never intended the Spirit to be bottled up inside you. He intended the Spirit to come out of you. We're supposed to be vessels that flow forth the Spirit, not hold the Spirit. We're supposed to be vessels that flow forth the Spirit. Therefore, it is most crucial in any service that we might do, in anything we might do for God, that the Spirit be released in a mighty and gushing torrent of living water. We don't want to be just vessels that contain the Holy Spirit. We want God to work for us and pour His Spirit out on others, because that's how others are going to be saved. That's how others are going to know the Lord, by the Spirit working in you, flowing forth from you, and touching heart after heart of the people you come in contact with. Now let's go forward a little bit. Chapter 20, after Jesus rises from the dead, he has his disciples there, and he does something very interesting in John 20, 22. He basically breathes on the disciples. He basically breathes on the disciples, and he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them and it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, many, many scholars believe that it was at this time that the disciples became born again. You are our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.